further on, verse 22. Acts chapter 4, verses 13 through 22, the Word of God says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people, for all men glorified God for that which was done. And together, for the man was above forty years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Let's pray. Lord. Your powerful verses for us and relevant information for us today as we are facing the same spirit of people who cannot deny the power and the truth of your word and your gospel. They seek to silence it. And Lord, we need as Christians to be strong. We need to be willing to stand up and stand out and speak the truth and not cower to those who threaten and demand and command that we not speak about you. So, Lord, give us insight into your word. Help us understand these verses in the scripture and then how they apply to us and how we can stand and continue to make a difference in our world today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I want to preach a message this evening entitled First Century Cancel Culture. First Century Cancel Culture. In recent years, we have seen cancel culture, where if you don't toe the line with whatever people are telling you, you should believe and should say that you just need to be quiet. And if not, they if you don't shut up, they will shut you up by whatever means necessary. You know, before cancel culture came, it was the political correctness. And preachers uh, for the last uh, two decades have been uh, talking about the dangers of political correctness. You know, when, when you control someone's speech, you can control not just their behavior, but also their thoughts. And that's the real goal. Uh, they're not just after the behavior. They're not just after the speech. They want to reach into the minds 
of everybody that doesn't think like them and make them think the same way. The tools are a lot more advanced and refined, but almost if you would picture like a 1960s version of re-education camps, 1970s version of re-education camps where they literally, and they still do this in China and other places, where they will send you away. They will literally disappear you. You're gone. And your family and friends know not to ask any questions because they can be gone too. And perhaps they'll, you'll come back on the scene with different opinions or perhaps you're just never heard from again. Uh, communists have done that all throughout their history uh, and, and other uh, forces as well. But imagine they, they want to reach into your very minds and change the way you think, and if they can't change the way you think, then they just want to, to close your mouth by whatever means necessary. <clears throat> We've seen this cancel culture in recent years come to a head, and it's almost like everyday discussion if you're involved in, in uh, the goings-on of America, <clears throat> but it's not new. And the purpose of the message is to show you that Satan has always tried to use a cancel culture to close the mouths of Christians and to stop their uh, preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. In recent years, we've seen liberal politicians form an alliance with traditional media and big tech to silence anyone who doesn't spew out their lies and hypocrisy. And the, the evidence is clear. I won't give you specifics, but just as a reminder, Google has been skewing internet search results for years now. And if you don't think that's happening, you just haven't been paying attention. I remember years ago when I would search for the founding fathers, that, like if you search quotes for the founding fathers, it would just pull up quotes of the founding fathers. Lincoln said this. George Washington said this. Then I noticed over the years the, the results started to change because I wouldn't store those things. I would just look them up every year, right? And so I got to see the search results every year. You know, what I saw over time is some things disappeared where I had to go looking for them. But I know this, I know this group put out this, this information, but I would have to go specifically looking for it. It used to be to the top. And then what they've started to do in the last 10 years or so is they'll just flood the Internet with misinformation. And then they will put those results first. So the last few years when you go to look for uh, quotes of the president or however you, you put it in, now you'll have right up there at the top, Abraham Lincoln didn't really say this. Or why we don't believe George Washington really said this. Or why? Whoa, what, what, what happened? They've been skewing the search results for years now. Social media companies like Twitter and Facebook shadow ban and sometimes remove voices that dissent from accepted propaganda. And not just Christian stuff. I mean, even conservative political stuff, the vaccine stuff. Boy, in the last year or two, you've seen if anybody has any questions at all about the vaccine. They were just removed. Even doctors going on and talking from, from their perspective would just get canceled and removed. One man who owns some of the patents for mRNA 
technology, which the new vaccines are based on, they even closed him down and told him he couldn't talk about it because he just didn't have a vaccinate everybody policy. And this has been happening right before our eyes. It's become more and more obvious in recent days. But this has been happening to Christian groups for some time now. A shadow banning is when they don't necessarily cancel your account. You can still see your stuff. They just bury it so that other people can't find your stuff as easily. So a church putting out gospel sermons, they might get buried where if someone searches church in my area, they wouldn't find the gospel preaching church or the church that preaches against certain things. Those things would just get buried uh, in the mass of information. News organizations like CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, no longer even hide their bias, but have almost become like media arms of the Democratic Party and others. Now, I don't think anything I'm saying tonight should be shocking to anybody if you've been paying attention. But it's come to our notice regularly. YouTube, Vimeo, Amazon Web Services, and other web service companies delete accounts with messages with which they don't agree. They'll either just remove you or ban you. They will uh, shadow ban you to where people can't find your stuff. Then they started getting in trouble for that, and people realized that people were just being banned, so now they might let you post it, but they'll put a disclaimer on it that this may be misinformation. I mean, really getting involved. Uh, one group has questioned, and they, they can't really get the information because a lot of this stuff is, is proprietary. One group has looked into and made the accusation that Facebook specifically was involved in the last election, doing things like sending register to vote reminders to Democrats but not to people who they look at their information who might vote for the other party, they wouldn't send them reminders. Things like putting on a vote day, you know, vote by this time today, reminders to vote, where they wouldn't do that to other, to other groups. Now, you would think, you know, even five years ago, I would have been like, boy, this sounds, this sounds like red hat or four, tin, tinfoil hat stuff. I mean, this sounds like conspiracy stuff. But the more you find out about it, the more it happens, and you're like, wow, this is really happening. Twitter banned the President of the United States. Now, regardless of what you think about Donald Trump, to not believe that the President should be able to have account when the Ayatollah Khomeini has an account, when, when people uh, with ISIS in Afghanistan have an account. But you can't let your own president have an account because he's dangerous. Folks, it doesn't take a, a brain surgeon to look around and be like, there, there's some, some fishy business going on around here. Our own church has dealt with this. A Facebook did a form of shadow banning us where they took us a year to figure out they, donate, or they denoted us as a gray account, which basically means you can't log in properly, you can't stream your church services. We can still log in from other accounts that are connected, 
but not our church account. And so after we find out what a gray account is, you look up what it takes to become a gray account, and we, we don't read, meet any of those requirements. But they can just kind of put you over there, and it takes you a long time to figure out. YouTube is taking people off, uh, conservatives and, and, and different groups and spiritual groups all the time. Uh, we just went through that in the fall of 2020. Uh, uh, my channel had over 300 sermons on it, starting to gain a little traction. I had 1,700 subscribers plus, three-quarters of a million views, and they found a reason to give a, me three copyright strikes in one day, which I got. So I went home from church Wednesday night, and I got this email, you know, your, your account's been disabled. We found this stuff on your site, and it was basically an audio Bible that I know we have permission to put on. It's on panels all over YouTube. So I went to bed thinking, well, I'll just email them in the morning. And I also told you the appeals process. So I went to bed that night. thought, well, that's odd, but I'll appeal, and they'll realize, oh, this was a mistake. So I get up the next morning. I email them to start the appeal process, and they email me back. And this was, quote, their email, quote, unfortunately, your channel has been removed due to copyright infringement. We are unable to process your appeal. So I wrote back again, and they said, you're your channel has been deleted. Got rid of it with no appeal at all. Now, do you think they would have done that to a, a uh, site that was perhaps atheist? Do you think that they would do that to a site that's promoting abortion? Do you think that perhaps there may be some different standards for certain groups versus others? In my mind, what I see is someone goes on there, I put in the appeal, they go on there to look at the channel, and as soon as they see all of the Bible stuff, and I had gotten warnings before, you know, if you preach on abortion, they'll put a warning on, or if you preach on something they don't like, they'll, like, put a warning on, uh, but we just preach it. So I, in my mind, I imagine someone in Silicon Valley or somewhere around the world goes on there to look at the appeal, sees what it is, and says, nope. That's all it took. Amazon Web Services, which runs a large part of the Internet now, they have the Internet, they have the, the uh, server farms where a lot of the Internet runs. Some of you might remember Parler, which was like a Twitter alternative. They blamed Parler, they blamed January 6th on Parler, and Twitter went into the servers and just turned them off. And Parler was one of the fastest growing apps in the nation at the time. They turned it off. And so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to, to look around and say, you know, these people are not our friends. And there's some different things going on. But the purpose of the sermon tonight is not to bring all that up. And I, if you think that tonight is a political sermon, I would uh, challenge you that you're wrong. I'm using real-life examples to show you that Satan has used the same tactics for over 2,000 years. The very same tactics he used all the way back at the beginning of the church. Now, there were no computers, there were no websites, there, there was no social media and all of these things, but he used the same tactics as he uses today. A censorship has been a tactic of the enemy for over 2,000 years. Think about the Roman Catholic Church, and I know a lot of decent Roman Catholic people but who are sincere. But the church itself, when you look into it, it is not a benevolent organization. 
During the Dark Ages, the Roman Catholic Church was responsible for over 50 million deaths. Many of them were people like us who wouldn't accept baptism by sprinkling or baptizing your babies or that wouldn't submit to papal authority. We, we just wouldn't follow the Pope. So there were always Baptistic people that said, no, we're not going to do that. And if you understand the position of the Catholic Church, they build false doctrine upon false doctrine. So if you get saved by baptism, then you've got to be baptized in order to go to heaven. But you really don't need someone's content, consent to baptize them. So you can get baptized as a baby. But you know what? If you could baptize your baby and they can go to heaven, and you don't baptize your baby and your baby might go to hell, that's a form of child abuse to not baptize your baby. So they would baptize babies against their will, against the parent's will, or punish the parent. And this is history, folks. But see, when, when you build false doctrine upon false doctrine upon false doctrine, it's, it's amazing the dark places where you can go. Sometimes people say, oh, you know, a Christians, a, boy, you folks cause a lot of trouble, those crusades. I'll be like, that wasn't us. That, that was the Catholic Church. They weren't Baptists willingly charging into Muslim countries, you know, trying to take them over. Uh, Baptists have always just basically just leave me alone. Let me follow God according to my conscience. Let me win people to Jesus. Let me preach Christ. Let me love my family. And all throughout history, uh, there is a, a timeline of Baptistic people. They weren't always called Baptists, of course, but the Baptistic people that believe the, the Baptist distinctives that just want to follow God according to the Bible. But what was the position of the Roman Catholic Church? them. By the way, the, the Protestants did that too. You know, Martin Luther, he, he left the Roman Catholic Church over salvation by grace through faith, but Martin Luther himself persecuted Baptistic people in Germany. Baptistic people were, were persecuted in Switzerland when they became a Protestant country. And so there's always been this push to where if you don't like someone saying what someone's saying, and you have the power to do so, you make them close their mouth. We see this in countries, in some countries in Africa and the Philippines and around the world, where when there is no governmental structure, the, the team with the, the most people and the biggest guns forces their will upon everybody else. Part of the world still functions that way. And so we've got to understand that these tactics are not new to us, and it's easy to begin to feel like, you know, we're being persecuted, and this has never happened before, and what are we going to do? The church has always survived because it belongs to Jesus. And Curtis Corner Baptist Church is, a, is a, going to be 180 years old in August. None of us were here when it was started. How did it keep going? It's God's church. It's the house of God. We're the stewards of it in this generation. But it's the house of God. And so we, we have to understand and have a perspective that Satan cannot fight against the word of God or the spirit of God. His only hope is to keep the masses blind and to keep the Christians quiet. And if Satan can keep sinners separated from the gospel, then he wins. And those souls will never be saved. Do you see that? God's plan is to get the gospel to sinners. And all Satan has to do is keep those two apart. Revelation chapter 12 
reminds us that we overcome the devil through the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and the willingness to die for Christ. There's always been people who were willing to be martyred instead of just be silent. You think about William Tyndale, who was used in in bringing the English Bible, the everyday English Bible. God used him. You think about men like John Huss burned at the stake just because he wouldn't be quiet. You think about a man like John Bunyan, who spent 12 years in the Bedford jail because he wouldn't take a license from the local government to preach. He said, you can't tell me whether or not I can preach. God told me to preach. They threw him in jail. At one point, they even brought his blind daughter in and, and said, Daddy, they said you could come home today. Daddy, they said you could come home. And she's, she's so happy. Daddy, they said if you just promise not to preach, that, that they would let you come home. And John Bunyan, with tears in his eyes behind a, in a prison cell, said, Honey, I can't come home because I'm not going to take a license. They can't tell me whether or not I can preach. And he spent 12 years in prison because they were trying to silence him. But you want to see the grace of God? During those 12 years, he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress. And next to the Bible, one of the most popular books and most read books in the history of the world. Isn't the grace of God awesome? See, the church even sometimes thrives under persecution because you either say, you get the resolve to say, I will not bend or you slink away to the closet and just hope it all go passes you by but it never passes you by and even the people right now in the world that they don't agree with all the cancel culture going on but it's not coming for them but they're quiet one of these days it will come for them i don't have it here before me but one man who was who was there while the Nazis were taking over Germany. He said they came for the Jews and we said nothing because they didn't come for us. And they came for another group and we said nothing and they didn't come for us. And and they went to another group and we said nothing. But one day they came for us and there was no one left to fight for us. Folks, that's the way it works. When good people are silent, wicked people take a lot of ground. But when good people stand up, wickedness is restrained. Even in our text verses, you see the only reason they didn't punish these disciples the first time was for the people. The people restrained them. If you look at verse 21, so when they had threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God that which was done. There's always been wicked people who have been restrained by the will of the masses. Whenever good people lie down and are silent, wickedness will run right over them. And we as an American, Americans in, in Christianity, and in modern Americans, we've, we've gotten far too comfortable. We've gotten far too lazy spiritually. I mean, as long as we got some money in the bank and food in the fridge and a little Netflix to watch at night and a comfortable bed to sleep in and a decent job and, and maybe a, a good retirement and some nice health care and, and decent health, man, we just want to go with the flow. But if we keep doing that, what happens? We've got to be able to stand up and say, I will not bend. This is what God says. And in that day, All of us should pray that in that day when we get put on the spot, we have the grace and the strength from God 
Just say, I will not bend. I'm going to burn you at the stake. I will not bend. I used to take Christians and tie them to the stake and put the the wood around them and they'd stand there with the torch and say, if you just recant your faith in Jesus Christ, if you just say you're not trusting Jesus anymore and confess faith to the your faithfulness, your fidelity to the Catholic Church, we will not burn you at the stake. And some said, you know what? Yeah, I'm out. Before you get too critical of them, you and I have never been there. But all of us ought to pray for the grace of God to be like those even in the face of certain death I will not be silent I will not stop from speaking the name of Jesus one man the story goes as they lit him on fire as he was burning he had the grace of God to sing a We've got to see that Satan has refined his methods to bully, berate, and beat down his opposition. I want to show you tonight just the four methods that he always uses, and you can see how they apply to our lives here today. Number one, intimidate. Intimidate. So Satan is is a master intimidator. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 17. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Now, why were they doing that? Look at the end of, or look at verse 16. Saying, what shall we do unto these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them. is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem. So they did a public miracle that was obviously an act of God. A man who had been alive for 40 years and been disabled. The whole town knew him. He was publicly healed. God did it. Everybody knew it. What are we going to do with these men? Because we don't like what they're saying. Imagine that. Rather than rejoice in the miracle themselves, they're so concerned in preserving their own power that they have to stop it. But look what it says at the end of verse 16. And we cannot deny it. Now, if they can deny it, they'll just deny it. And we see that even today. You know, you see something happen, then you watch the news, and it's like, oh, that didn't happen. Pretty sure it happened. I saw it happen. Uh, don't believe your eyes. That didn't happen. Well, you know, th- this happened. No, that's not real. You know, this happened. You know, we've got a, a letter here from a bunch of important people that say that didn't happen. Okay. If they can deny it, they will lie to your face. And there's always people gullible enough to believe the lie. All right, but what happens when they can't deny it? They intimidate, verse 17, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them. And what was the point of this intimidation? That they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Folks, the devil's crowd's bullies. They're bullies. And they'll intimidate you. They'll threaten you. They'll threaten to, to smear your name. They'll threaten to take your job. They'll threaten to to ruin you in, in public, they intimidate. And I'm glad here that we see the disciples were not intimidated. Look at verse 19. 
But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So basically these men said, that's not going to happen. We command you. We demand it. We threaten you. If you do this, we're going to do this. And we're going to, and we're going to, and we're going to. And Peter's like, yeah, no. That's not going to happen. You know, we're going to speak the things we've seen in her. We can't. We can't do anything else. And these people were restrained by the mob, so they had to let them go. But make no mistake, intimidation. Uh, we saw this recently with the vaccine. And whether you agree with the vaccine or not, it doesn't really matter to me. I think science has proven that the vaccines don't really work. You say, how do you know? Well, if you get the vaccine and you still get COVID and you can still spread COVID, what exactly is the definition of success? Well, it's, it's not as bad. And for some people, that's true. In high risk, perhaps that's true. But why are we trying to vaccinate five-year-olds? Why? There, there's deeper things going on. But what was the intimidation? Oh, you can't go back to work. You can't, you can't go to work if, if you don't get the vaccine. You know what? You can't fly. We're going we're gonna to make a, a, a passport, and you won't be able to fly unless you get a vaccine. There are people worried about that. Man, if I don't, if I don't get the vaccine, I won't be able to get my grandkids. I won't be able to get my family. I've I got to fly to work. There were people like, like you. She, she, couldn't, she didn't have any real choice. Serious medical struggles. And they said, you know what? If you don't get this, you're going to lose your job. And, and by the way, if, if you don't take it and we have to fire you, you're not going to get any unemployment. We're going to punish you. That's what they did to a lot of people. It's intimidation. They'll, they'll say the same thing. And, and castigate uh, is number two. So number one, intimidate. Intimidate. Number two, castigate. Now, castigate simply means to punish severely so if they can't intimidate you and they can't get you to keep your mouth shut then they will just punish you for opening your mouth and they will use a few examples someone will be bold someone will speak out but not everybody not enough so that one person will speak out and they will crush him and they will crush her and they will punish them so everybody else says oh the truth is, if everybody speaks out, they can't crush everybody. So it's still a form of intimidation. But this punishment, we see in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 21, they threatened them further. Look at Acts chapter 5 and verse 27. We're talking about castigate. He'll punish you if you don't, if you don't be quiet. Acts chapter 5, verse 27, and when they had brought them they set them before the council, and the high priest asked him, saying, Did not we straightly command you? So they preach again. Tons of people get saved. So now they call them back in. Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. So now they're blaming the preachers. Hey, why are you causing all this trouble? Why are you trying to make us the bad guy? Well, because you crucified Jesus. Humanly speaking, they were the ones that crucified Jesus, but they're like, why are you trying to bring his blood upon us? Because you killed him. 
And this is what happens. If you just point out the truth, they will blame you. And often the devil will accuse you of what he's doing. In the plan of God, of course, they cry, crucify him, crucify him. They literally said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And now they're saying, why are you trying to bring his blood upon us? Satan always plays these games. He's always playing the word games. He's always playing the confusion. And, and he's lying, but he'll call you a liar. He's cheating, but he'll say you're cheating. He's being immoral, but he'll call you immoral. The same tricks, different players, same play. We've got to understand this. So look what happens in verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. I have written in the margin of my Bible, Still true today! Exclamation point. That's still true. We ought to obey God rather than men. If men are trying to outlaw obedience to God, then we have to obey God. But notice they blame us for the problems. And then look down at verse 40. Then they punish severely. So you didn't listen to the threats. You weren't intimidated. You opened your mouth. So now we're going to punish you. Look at verse 40, Acts chapter 5. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So intimidation didn't work. Now we're going to punish you. And these beatings were not like a smack across the face. A coat of nine tails was probably used here. And you've heard the illustration many times. A, a handle like a whip with nine pieces of usually leather rawhide coming off of them. And they would weave in there into each strand pieces of sharp bone and rock and different things. And they would either hang you up or they would have a, a short stump-like post and they would bend you over any way they could to, to get the skin to stretch upon your back. And they would wrap that, that whip around you and they would hit you with it and it would wrap around. And then they would yank it back and those pieces of, of uh, bone and rock and such would rip into your flesh, literally rip open your they were only allowed to give 39 stripes because they found out through years of experience that people die at the 40th. It was not uncommon. Historians say it was not uncommon for you to see the ribs, the rib bones of people that had been beaten. You won't be quiet. You won't be intimidated. We're going to punish you. But notice their response. And to him they agreed when they had called the apostles and beaten them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Verse 41. And they, those that had been beaten, departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Oh, wow. When's the last time somebody called you a name and castigated you, mocked you, made fun of you, condemned you because you were a Christian and you walked away saying, wow, I'm blessed. 
I'm blessed that I was counted worthy to suffer like Jesus. That's not our natural response, is it? That's the response of these people who would not be denied. Look what it says in verse 42. And daily, they didn't just not only stop, they did it every day. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus. Isn't that interesting? We also find that, I won't take time to show you all these verses, that they'll take words out of context. That's what they did to Jesus. Oh, he said he's going to tear down the temple and raise it up in three days. Yeah, but he didn't mean it like you mean it, trying to condemn him. And the devil's good about taking things we say and taking them out of context and adding some type of other meaning. We, we know that they will lie purposely. Mark chapter 14, verses 55 and 57 says, And the chief priests and all the council sought for witnesses against Jesus to put him to death and found none. They will go looking for people to lie about you. And if they can't find anybody to lie willingly, the devil will pay them. Verse 56, for many bear false witness against him. But their witness agreed not together. The devil, listen, the devil's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's not going to have any problem lying about you or anybody else, right? So we can't be surprised when people who are on the other team are lying about us. They'll humiliate publicly. This is part of their castigation. Matthew 27, verses 28 through 32, And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. They platted on him a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. They bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took a reed and smote him in the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. This was a public march. They marched him publicly through the streets to humiliate him. They hung him on the cross naked to humiliate him. This is part of the punishment. If they can't intimidate you and enough people don't rise up, then they'll just try to punish you. They'll lie about you. They'll take words out of context. They'll punish you physically if they can. They'll humiliate you publicly. This is what the devil does. Can't be shocked about it. We're not talking about 2022. We're talking about first century cancel culture. But is it any wonder that we see the devil doing the same things today? Next, look back at Acts chapter 4, verse 18. Number three, we see legislate. Legislate. Acts chapter 4, verse 18, And he called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. So this was the first time, and then they just had to let him go because the people. But then notice the second time in verse 40, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beat them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and uh, let them go. And then we see... Uh, the first time, they didn't beat them. The second time, they beat them. Why? Because the first time, they, they said, don't do this anymore, but it wasn't really wrong. Acts chapter 4, verse 17. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak 
to no man henceforth in this name. But there, there was no decree. There was no law. But now they made a law. We are telling you. This is the, the civil and religious leadership. You may not speak in this name. We are commanding you. Now there's a law on the book. So now when they do it again, they can punish them physically. And this is one way the devil works. If intimidation doesn't work. And castigation, punishment doesn't work. It could be uh, public, it could be humiliation, it could be all those things. He will legislate and create laws so that the next time you do it, now there's severe punishment. That's what we see in chapter 5 when now there's a beating. But notice there, there's two kinds of legislation. The first is publicly accepted lies. When the public accepts a lie, then there's kind of almost this public understanding that, yeah, you should be able to mistreat that person because they're so terrible. You know, people don't have a lot of compassion for mass murders. Because well, we all agree this is a terrible, heinous sin. But you know they did the same thing in Rome? Nero convinced the Romans that the real problem in Rome, the reason why Rome was suffering, was not because of his leadership, it was because of the Christians. He set Rome on fire and then blamed the Christians. And you know what the Romans did? They began to punish the Christians. Not because there was even a, a written law about it, but there was a commonly accepted public belief that said Christians are bad, they're dirt, it's okay to put them in arenas and watch animals eat them. So we see this still today. If you are fill-in-the-blank, then you are fill-in-the-blank. If you don't agree with their policies, then you're a racist. We could all agree that being a racist is a terrible thing. I don't have a racist bone in my body. But they'll call you racist. They're calling black people racist against blacks. They're calling Hispanic people racist against Hispanics. Because the words mean nothing. It's just a way to label someone and demean them. And then everybody says, oh, well, if you're that, then man. If you preach the truth about sodomy, then you're homophobic. If you are against parents and doctors mutilating their children, then you're transphobic. If you are against killing babies in the womb, then you're a misogynist. So you see how this works. If they can get the public to believe that people who don't agree with this or believe this are bad, you're this, then we ought to get to do this to you. And so the, the legislation doesn't have to be civil. It can just be cultural. But then the second level of that is civil laws Laws are created to outlaw righteousness and then use civil authority to punish. We see this in Islamic countries. In most Islamic countries, you can go to prison or worse for trying to win someone to Jesus. In North Korea, you can be imprisoned or worse for owning a Bible. North Korea is one of the most, and on some lists it's number one, the most dangerous country on the planet for Christians. what happens? So 
so we, we see laws, well, Christians are bad. Christians are terrible. And they, they don't deserve this and this. So now we're going to create laws. We're seeing this in, in Canada already and now in California. They're trying to pass laws that would literally make the Bible a hate book. The Bible would be defined by their laws as a hate book because it talks, uh, it says sodomy is a sin. Already there's laws in California that if someone is struggling, if, if someone, especially a, a teenager, is struggling with, maybe they got into a, a sodomy or they're having these thoughts, you can't help them out of that. You can't counsel them any different. Same thing in, in Canada, that, that's already the case. Calling things hate crimes that aren't hate crimes for preaching the truth. Oh, you think sodomy's wrong? That's a hate crime. We're going to throw you in jail. You don't use the right pronoun for someone that wants to be called a different gender. Your eyes tell you one thing. Their DNA says one thing. You're not allowed to say that. So in Canada, you can be put in jail for misgendering people. And see, this is where the civil law comes in. If you won't be intimidated, and we can punish you and that doesn't work, we will pass a law so that we can enlist the, the local police and the military even to bring you in line. And we see this in the book of Acts. The Apostle Paul was arrested uh, by the Romans, and it was the Roman government involved. And, and so it's obvious to see the signs here. Intimidate, castigate, legislate. Let me say lastly, incarcerate. Once laws are created to outlaw righteousness, you can use civil authority to punish God's people, even putting them in jail. Now, Brother Pash talks about that family of Russians that used to stay with them. And I believe he was in prison in Russia for three years for preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel like I did this morning. And he spent three years in jail. Why? Because it's against the law. And you won't be quiet. And you won't be intimidated. And we fine you. And we call you out publicly. And we beat you. And we tax you. And we take your stuff. And we make you suffer. And you still won't be quiet. And we'll put you in jail or we'll kill you. When you hear the, the political rhetoric nowadays, it used to be that, that, let's just use politics as an example. It used to be that Republicans and Democrats would disagree but they had a basic respect for one another. But nowadays, why is it that if you disagree, you're evil? If you disagree, you're evil. Let me deal with one thing, and again, not to be political, but just to show you how deeply this goes. January 6th insurrection you've all heard that insurrection a coup where conservatives tried to take over the government an insurrection were there were there terrible things done yes but do you know the only person murdered on that day was murdered by or killed by a policeman that was inside the capitol 
If it was an insurrection, it was the worst planned insurrection in the history of insurrections. Do you know how many guns they found that day among the insurrectionists? Zero. Would you plan an insurrection with zero weapons? Did you know the security video shows policemen holding the door open after the, the mass started coming in? There's security holding the door open. Some videos show policemen like taking people in and showing them things. Just don't tear anything off. But why is it that you hear about it every day? It's an insurrection. It's right up there with 9-11. It's the most terrible day in, in American history. It's right up there with the Civil War. This is a dark day. I was scared for my life. I'm not saying that it wasn't, there weren't bad things that happened. I'm not saying that it was right. I'm saying that it has been mischaracterized for political advantage. And there are retired people whose mistake was walking through the Capitol building who the FBI went to their house, arrested them, and they're still sitting in jail without any trial, without any due process. And if you listen to them, they will tell on themselves because they're so bold now. Do you know why they did that? Do you know why they sent the FBI after all those people? As a show of force. Let me tell you what happens. Now, regardless of what you think about January 6th, I'm, I'm pulling this down to a spiritual lesson. This is always what the devil does. Intimidate. And some people will be quiet. For those that won't be quiet, castigate. I will punish you. I will destroy you. I will mock you. I will lie about you. I'll drag your name through the street. I will assassinate your character, and I'll even go further. If that doesn't work, they will pass laws to outlaw things that would normally be right and okay. Can I point out something else? Why are we talking about taking away everybody's guns whenever... Crazy people do crazy things. Regardless of what you think about guns, again, it's not, a, it's not about those things. Why are we going after everybody? Why do they want to come in your house, into your closet, and take your stuff? And Don's right. <laughs> if they outlaw guns, only the outlaws will have guns. You know there's a law right now they want to pass that would make... Some of the guns in your gun closet, a felony. It was legal yesterday. Tomorrow it can be a felony if you don't turn it in. Right, anybody? Again, it's not about the guns. It's about you've got to see past. This is what Satan always does. If incarceration doesn't work and things get bad enough, they'll just take your life. Acts chapter 12, I've gone long, I won't show you, but Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5, they threw Peter in jail. They actually killed James. Herod saw it, made the Jews happy, so he arrested Peter. 
They were going to kill Peter. An angel comes in and delivers Peter. He thinks it's a dream, a vision. He follows him out, realizes that, hey, he's out. God supernaturally delivered him. He was in jail getting ready to die. The Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 16, he's arrested. He's beaten. He's thrown in jail. For what? For healing a demon-possessed woman. And somebody lied about him. And so all throughout the book of Acts, you see these things happen. Intimidate, castigate, legislate, incarcerate. Let's not be surprised when Satan does these things in our life. And let's be strong. I hope that all of us will be able to either go up in the rapture or God will bring revival and save America. But you know, the Bible says... In the last days, perilous times shall come. And there's been perilous times before, and there may be perilous times again. You and I have to realize the thing to do is not run and hide. The thing to do is that if enough people stand up, if enough Christians open their mouth, if enough Christians say, that's wrong. It's like with this critical race theory thing. Enough parents said, whoa, what are you teaching? That they're bad because they're white? No thanks. This thing with the gender stuff. You're, you're teaching my kids what in school? When enough people stand up, they back off. Boy, if enough people don't stand up, they'll run right over everybody until there's nobody left to deliver us. But we just have to keep our eyes on the Lord. Again, not a political message, spiritual one with real-life illustrations. May God help us. Father, thank you for the truth. I pray you'd help us to understand it, to know it, and to say we pray for grace, Lord, that in that moment, we hope we'd be strong, but in that moment where we are confronted and we're put to the test, that we would stay strong. Please give us grace and strength. We pray for revival. We pray that you'd forgive the sins of our nation. Pray that you'd save our leaders. Give us people of character and wisdom who will stand up. Help the people who believe like we do in Congress and the Senate and around the country to stand up. Help Christians around the world to speak up while, while we can. And Lord, we do ask that you would multiply your blessings upon us so that we can keep lifting up the banner of Christ. Help us not be surprised and astonished whenever we get in the crosshairs of the devil. But help us to keep moving forward.